Good morning, Abundant Life Church. Uh, my name is Aaron Walton. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is my joy and honor to be able to speak with you today. How many of you love Thanksgiving? I mean, it has seriously become, over the years, one of my more favorite days of the year. But there are some things about Thanksgiving that I truly do not understand. The first is, I don't know if you have this dish on your Thanksgiving uh, dinner table, uh, but creamed corn, okay? What is the deal with that dish, okay? Every time I see that dish of creamed corn on my family's table Thanksgiving, nothing about me wants to give thanks, you know what I mean? If anything, it just reminds me that we live in a sinful world, okay? The other thing that I don't understand about Thanksgiving dinner is, uh, is Brussels sprouts. Do you guys, no, seriously, guys, it is messed up, those things. You can try to put as much bacon around that Brussels sprout as you want. It's still Brussels sprouts, and it's still disgusting, okay? But all the work, all the preparation, all the family drama even, finally to get to that one beautiful moment where we all take a second and go around the table and simply speak that which we are thankful for. I don't know if you do that a part of your tradition, but every year our family does that, and I think it's a most beautiful, one of the most beautiful moments, really, uh, for the entire year, let alone for our family. There's something that happens when we audibly speak words of thanksgiving. When we stop and reflect and actually pinpoint and, and call out the things, the people, the opportunities, even the hard moments in our life that we are thankful for. And it does something. God does something in the midst of that. He creates a space inside of each of us. He carves out a little bit of room inside of our hearts and inside of our lives for us to truly recognize just how beyond blessed we are. And I think this is an important thing uh, for us to do because you might be in one of two camps. You might be one of those people that needs to be reminded of how much God has given you. That sometimes we can fall in love with our own self so much, our own, uh, our own story, our own legend almost, and we need to be reminded that some of the most amazing parts of the life that we live are a gift given by God. Or maybe you're in the other camp where maybe holidays and Thanksgiving and times like this to stop and actually to try to think about the things that you're thankful for, that's really, really difficult because of the journey that you've been on, because of the, the twists and the turns of life that you have been going through. And so no matter where you are on this, I think today we're going to spend some time in 1 Timothy chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, turn out to there right now, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at a passage that will hopefully create a space inside of each of us that will give us an opportunity together to claim a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to read for you verses 3 through 7 just to get a taste of this chapter, and then we'll dive in. 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversy rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. I think this is a great place for us to begin. We got Paul right now, who is one of the early church leaders, very first ever missionary, writing a letter to Timothy, a young believer who has now become the leader of one of the, the churches, the church of Ephesus, um, that, and as, as one of the churches that Paul actually helped uh, start in one of his missionary journeys. And so Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, basically wanting to give him some encouragement, 
wanting to give him some instruction on how things are going to go in, in this church, but also just wanting to give him words of inspiration as he has now taken on this tremendous responsibility of leading this church and these people. And Paul starts the letter by talking about one of the most important things that we could understand here as the church. And it's reminding Timothy of the biggest role, one of his biggest roles as the leader, and that's to push the people, guide the people, lead the people away from meaningless, empty talk, and instead point them back to genuine love. You see, if you, if you look through um, kind of the understanding of the Ephesus church, there's a lot of different things that we can understand about it. One of them was there were certain leaders in the church of Ephesus that were going through specifically the Old Testament, specifically the book of Genesis, going through some of the more complicated or confusing passages of Scripture. Um, as it says, as Paul says, the genealogies where it just lists person after person after person. And then they started just making some radical claims about God and, and in essence kind of contradicted a lot of the teachings of Jesus because of this. Basically, they were getting distracted in things that, that had no value. And in that distraction caused all kinds of conflict and all kinds of hurt were happening in the church. And so Timothy simply is being instructed by Paul. He says, hey, listen, there's a lot of stuff going on. I know this is a big responsibility. I know this is intimidating, but here's what you need to do. Just keep the main thing the main thing. This is something that we at ALC, part of the, the, the church staff, this is something we say over and over and over again, because we can very easily get lost in meaningless talk, in, in sometimes empty talk. We can sometimes get lost in these theological conversations, these theological bents about this, that, and the other thing, which is, again, it's a good conversation, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily anything of true value that points us to Jesus. And so, Tim, uh, Timothy is just instructed by Paul, keep the main thing, the main thing. Let me show you about that. I'll read it again. Verse 5, the goal of this command is... Love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Have you guys ever been lost in an empty talk? Have you ever wandered yourself into a meaningless conversation? Have you ever been consumed with something that at the end of the day doesn't have any true value? Have you found yourself getting, getting lost in conflict and debates and arguments back and forth with things that really at the end of the day are not that important? Paul is begging Timothy, please don't forget this. Do not forget in the midst of all these responsibilities, all the chaos that you're going to walk through, all the different opinions that people are going to tell you, keep the main thing, the main thing. Simply reflect the genuine love that I have, the genuine love that Jesus showed you, the genuine love that God has for these people, and continue to point them in that direction. And if you do, it will save you from so many different things. I love how uh, one of the commentators that are, uh, I wrote uh, read this week, William Barclay says it this way. To think in love will always save us from certain things. It will save us from arrogant thinking. It will save us from contemptuous thinking. It will save us from condemning either that which we do not agree or that which we do not understand. It will save us from expressing our views in such a way that we hurt other people. Love saves us from destructive thinking and destructive speaking. Who wants to be known by that type of love. You know what I mean? Like we live in a world and we live in a culture right now and there's just so much distraction out there. There is so much conflict and bickering and this and that and this is important. No, this is important. How dare you think that way? How could you even possibly think that way? And at the end of the day, a lot of those conversations, a lot of those things that we are so passionate about don't have any value. If we are to reflect something, let us truly and powerfully reflect the love of God. 
Let's go back to the, that one challenge, Kyle. I, I think I skipped it, but let's go back to that one challenge. The first challenge that I have for you today is simply this. Does the life that we live reflect genuine love or empty talk? See, now Paul knew this better than most people. Paul knew this extremely well because he lived a life that showed the other. He showed a life and lived a life that was consumed by the empty, by the meaningless. He pursued a lifestyle that ended up with nothing but conflict, nothing but hurt, and nothing but a distraction. So as we see, as we continue to go through 1 Timothy chapter 1, we will see the truth that Paul claimed that hopefully we will claim today. Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 17. This is really where this chapter gets awesome, guys. This is really where things get really cool. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, and he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only king, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. When I was in college, we had this thing that we do every week called chapel, which is basically a time of worship and a time of uh, of teaching or uh, encouragement uh, every Tuesday and Thursday. At the end of each of our chapels, our campus pastor would get up and he would close every chapel by quoting this scripture. And so let's put it up on the screen. And so I want you guys to fulfill a dream for me today, okay? You guys are going to fulfill a dream that I have always been wanting to do for 13 years, okay? We're actually going to do this just like my campus pastor did when I was in college. I'm going to read the first line. I want you to read the part in yellow, and then I'll read the, the, the next line. And you read, can you do this for me, guys? Is this... This is going to be the best, okay? This is going to be awesome. Just, just be ready, okay? Here we go. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh, that was beautiful. Considered me faithful. Now that Paul has kind of established the main thing is the main thing. He says, don't get lost in all this other stuff, okay? There's a lot of different things that you can get lost in, you can get consumed in. Do not allow yourself to walk down that road. Continually keep the main thing, the main thing just continually reflect my love into this world. Now that he's kind of set that off, Paul speaks now an audible, beautiful word of thanksgiving for all that God has done for him. As he's instructing Timothy, trying to inspire him, he speaks from his own life and says, this is what God has done for me. Let him do the same thing for you. And so there's three things that Paul speaks and, and speaks words of thanksgiving uh, in this one simple verse in verse 12. Uh, let me show them to you. The first one, Paul simply says, I'm thank you, Christ Jesus, my Lord, because you have given me strength. God had given him strength in the midst of the weakness that he had and the struggles that he had. God gave him strength. Number two, God considered him faithful. In the midst of all the mistakes that he made, God still looked down upon him and said, you are my faithful servant. And lastly, God appointed him to his service. So we're going to walk through each of these and hopefully maybe one of them, maybe just one, you can take away with today and wrestle with as you go through the rest of your Sunday. But let's dive into to verse 13 again. It's so good, i got to read it again. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance 
and unbelief. Now, for those of you that don't know, before coming to know Jesus, Paul was a Jewish Pharisee who had dedicated his life to basically denying Jesus. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He hated the idea of who this Jesus was, what he was teaching, what his, his ideas were about God, and he believed it was wrong. He believed it was evil, and so much so that he became these things that he speaks of himself. The first thing he says, that he's a blasphemer which is basically someone who takes the truth of, of what God says and who God is and perverts it and distorts it as Paul, again, denied Jesus as any significance, that Jesus was the radiance of God. He did not believe it. He believed in it so much that he became someone who persecuted other people that believed in that, which is basically means he would pursue after them and harass them and try with all that he could to change their mind. He wanted to do it so badly and believed in this so much that it says that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and then what? He was a violent man. And he's not speaking hyperbole here. Like, he legitimately was uh, a part of the deaths of countless Christians because he believed what he was doing was right and anybody that followed Jesus was wrong. That's his list. That's a little bit of his reputation. Does anyone here have a list like that? Do you have a list of mistakes that you go to that when you're, when you're talking about your life, when you reflect on your life, when you look back, you say, yeah, here's, here's a little bit of my history. Here's a little bit of the things that I walked through. How many of you guys have ever experienced some, some embarrassing mistakes? You thought you had it all figured out. You thought you were heading in the right direction. You thought you had the right answer only to come to find out, oh, I was kind of wrong in that. Has anyone ever made a decision or made a choice in your life that caused hurt and harm, that you truly did cause destruction. How many of you guys are just flat out ignorant? You thought you had it figured out, come to find out, not so much. You walked into a situation going, whew, I did not expect that. After college, one of the things that I did to try to help figure out the rest of my life was I joined a gym. Anybody out there have ever heard of a gym or been a part of a gym before? Anyone? Okay. I joined the 24-Hour Fitness off uh, Sunnybrook, not too far from here. Uh, totally an intimidating experience, okay, signing up for a gym. You see all these men and women rocking, walking around with their muscles just rippling, and you go, yeah, okay, sign me up for, for that one right there. I'll, I'll take that. And I remember one night just doing my thing. Normally, I just kind of did cardio, and sometimes I would do some, some weights. But I, out of the corner of my eye, I looked, and I saw the bench press. You guys are laughing because you know where this is going, don't you? I uh, had never done the bench press before because it had intimidated the crap out of me, okay? I had seen guys do that bench press, you know, 400 pounds, drop it down, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. But it was a late one night, there weren't a lot of people around, and I said, I think I'm going to try the bench press. So I go over, I don't put any weights on it because I don't want to look like a fool, okay? I just said, I'm not going to do that. And I get down, and I simply just take the bar, and I go, okay, this isn't so bad, okay? Bar's a little heavy, but that's okay. Let's just, let's just keep, let's just keep going. That's no big deal. This is fine. All right. And so I did this, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting a good feel for it, but I, I, I think I got a little overzealous, uh, a little overconfident, uh, because I, I benched that, that bar so good. Guys, seriously, I was looking so good when I was benching that bar that I got to the point where I literally could not lift the bar from my chest, Okay. Like, I'm laying down there in the bench just trying to just push that. I see the hooks. They're right there, okay? They're not very far. I just need to get that bench, and I just, I just can't. And I'm looking around, and I'm going, what am I going to do? At one point, a guy walked by, and I said, a uh, little help. 
He looked at me and he said, are you kidding? And he walked away. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. All right, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, so I decided out of a pure moment of insanity, I said, I'll, I'm just going to have to roll this bar off me and, and get the heck out of here. And so instead of rolling it one way, I decide for some reason to roll it this way. So I got the bar, and I'm rolling it on my chest, and it gets good to my mouth, and then over to my face, and I drop the bar, and it bangs off the bench, and I jump up, and I'm shaking, and my arms are just kind of like this. I grab my water bottle, and I grab my towel. I, I wipe the bench press down, because that's what you're supposed to do. And I leave, and I, and I never came back to the gym again after that. There are many, many things that I am thankful for for the life that God has given me. One of the biggest that I am thankful for is despite my many flaws, in the light of all the mistakes that I have made, and let me tell you, I have made plenty of mistakes along the way, and despite my clear ignorance and my clear weakness in so many different areas of my life, I am beyond thankful for a God that unabashedly loves me. And he has created a space inside of me. He has carved out a space throughout these years where I may daily receive his strength. Despite his unbelievable ignorance and the many mistakes that he made along the way and the reputation, the list of things that are legitimate and real and true, God filled Paul with his strength to accomplish incredible things as his servant. And despite the many flaws and mistakes that I have made, the embarrassing moments of my life, God has time and time again. I certainly at, at times don't understand why I deserve it. And that's the key is I don't deserve it, but God freely has given me his strength so that I may be his servant. The only reason I'm even having the ability to stand up in front of you and speak to you about God's word is because God's strength is being flowed inside of me because I need it to get through every single day, let alone this message. Second challenge I have for you today is simply this. Allow the wondrous mercy of Jesus to fill and empower you with his strength. Allow the wondrous mercy of Jesus to fill and empower you with his strength. Who needs his strength today? Who in this room is feeling weak You've gone through all kinds of garbage. You've got a reputation. You've made your mistakes. You've had the embarrassing moments that have humbled you to your core. Maybe you're a little confused about God, about faith, about your life, about the direction of your life. Maybe you're searching for something. You're here today just because you wandered in. You don't know why you're here, but you're here. Or maybe you've been trying to do everything on your own. You've been trying to live your life. You've been trying to pursue after God, and you've done it on your own. I simply would call you and encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and allow the wondrous mercy of Jesus, allow his Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you with his strength that he wants to pour out upon you today. Okay, real quick, just to see if you guys are listening. I'm going to do that, that scripture one more time, okay, just to get it, get it flowing through your head. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has given me... Oh, come on, let's try that again. You guys are falling asleep on me. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me who considered me faithful and pointed me to his. By the end of this sermon, you guys are going to have that scripture just flowing through your head, okay? Let's go to verse 15. Real quick, here it is. Uh, another, another beautiful part of this scripture. Verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners for whom I am the worst. Paul takes it a real step further here while he literally calls himself the worst of all sinners. Of every sinner that's ever happened to that point in history, he is the worst. Have you guys ever called yourself the worst of anything? I mean, a little dramatic. We got one person. We got one person. Authenticity. I love it. There you go. Now, if, if I were to be honest, there's probably only two things in my life that I could say, okay, of, of all the things that I'm worst at, definitely put my name at the top of this list. The first one is swaddling. Have you guys ever heard of swaddling before? Do you know what swaddling is? It's when you take a baby, right, and you take a blanket, and you, that's how I take the baby right here. <laughs> take this child. You take a blanket, and then you take that blanket, and you put it on that baby in such a way that creates this cocoon of, of beautiful whateverness that is, and they fall asleep in a matter of seconds. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. I've never understood that, okay? When I, when I used to try to do it to the girls when they were younger, I remember trying to do the whole blanket thing. One arm was sticking out one way. The other leg was sticking out, and Carly's just crying her eyes out. Why, Dad? Why? And so I literally just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to take the blanket, tie it in a knot. If, if the blanket doesn't fall off, we're good to go, okay? Let's just keep on moving. The other thing that I know that I'm the worst at, parallel parking, okay? It's my kryptonite. I do not understand it, okay? Every time my wife and I go downtown and I have to parallel park, I am always doing that one. And then, the, oh, not too close, okay. Do the one turn. And then the, oh, no, I can't do that. Okay, and usually I say, hey, babe, Will you park the car for me? And she's like, yes, I'll park the car, and then maybe I'll cut up your food later, so it'll be great. <laughs> now, this is what makes the gospel of Jesus so audacious, okay? Right here is where it makes the gospel of Jesus so scandalous. This is what we talk about when we say when Jesus showed up, he literally turned the world upside down. This is what makes the gospel of Jesus so good. That despite being the worst of all the sinners... God looked down upon Paul, saw past the hurt that he had caused, saw past the destruction that his life had lived up to this point, looked past the ignorant life and the unbelief that he had lived in for so many years, and instead, in his wondrous mercy, filled him with strength, and in order to affirm inside of him the truth that God considered him faithful. I love it how Timothy Keller says it. Uh, this way. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Maybe you are here today and you feel a little bit of that unworthiness. That your list of mistakes and your reputation and the embarrassing moments of your life and the flaws you had, they're just too big to look past. This is who I am, you say. It's hard for me to look past all these things that I've done, the hurt that I've caused myself and so many other people around me. If that is you today, please let me just simply whisper this, this, this word of truth to you, to simply ask you to affirm this for yourself, to allow God to send his Holy Spirit to affirm this inside of you, that your value and your worth so slowly from the grace and the faith and the love that Jesus Christ has poured out abundantly on you and me. That is all that matters. I know these other things are real and that we've walked through some hard things and these, these things that even Paul talked about, they were legit. They were real, hard, difficult things. But he says himself, it is because of one choice, not my choices, 
for the choice of the God who loves me, who sent his son to die on the cross for me so that I might have life and that life to the full. That defines me. I'm going to read for you verse 14 again because it is just so beautiful. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Second challenge is simply this. Allow the abounding grace of Jesus to fill and affirm you with his truth. Allow the abounding grace of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit to fill you and affirm you with this truth. Who here needs to be reminded of God's truth today? Who needs to be reminded that your life is not defined by the mistakes of your life and that the only thing that truly defines you is the choice that God made when he said, I love you and I want to have a relationship with you and so I will send my son and do something in such a way that you will have the way to come and connect with me. Instead of being defined by all these things that we have on our list, all those embarrassing moments, let us be defined by what God wants to pour out upon you. He wants to pour upon his strength. He wants to affirm inside of you his truth that you are his faithful son and daughters. He loves you. You are his beloved children. That is who you are today. Now, do you guys want to hear the best part? Here comes the best part, okay? You ready? Let's try this verse again, okay? I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me. Oh, you guys got that. Considered me. Appointed me to his. Verse 16 says this. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. One of the biggest desires that we have here at ALC is for us to become a church, for us to become a culture that truly is passionate and excited about taking the gospel message, the story of Jesus, that which Paul is talking about right here, the fact that he was the worst of all sinners, but God in his amazing, unabashed love for us and his immense mercy has poured upon us his grace, his love, and his faith. That is the beautiful message that this world needs to hear. And so we want to become a church that's excited about sharing that and we can make it good news. And the best way that we make it good news is by giving ourselves in service to others. I love it how Henry Nouwen says it. He says it this way. Our humanity comes to its fullest bloom in giving. We become beautiful people when we give whatever we can give. A smile, a handshake, a kiss, an embrace, a word of love, a present, a part of your own life, all of our life. Each and every one of us in this room has been placed in a certain corner of this world. And the reason why we've been placed in a certain corner of this world, the place that where you are, your jobs, your family, your community, it's because there are other people in that corner of the world with you. And now we have the opportunity that God has given each and every one of us to take with our flaws and our mistakes, with all the things that we bring to it, and be able to show through the example in our lives of his amazing and wondrous mercy, his abounding grace, his immense patience in that. So maybe, just maybe, there might be one person in that small corner of the world that only you can touch, that nobody else can. Maybe someone will come to know Jesus because of him working through you. Let me show you a picture. Before coming to Abundant Life uh, Church, I was at a small church called Mount Scott Church of God where I was the youth pastor for 10 years. Now, I'm not sure how you all out there feel about high schoolers and middle school students, but here's a trustworthy saying that is deserving of full acceptance. Are you ready? Middle schoolers and high schoolers are some of the most amazing people on the face of the planet. Amen? 
Okay, if you have a high schooler or middle schooler somewhere in your realm of influence, I am urging you to go out there and encourage them. Be a part of their life. Do whatever you can just to simply be with them. Because let me tell you, these are some of the most amazing people that I've ever met in my entire life. For 10 years, I dedicated my life to connecting, to encouraging, walking with them through life, through the ups and through the downs, crying with them and laughing with them, and trying my best in the midst of all the ups and downs that sometimes life and ministry is, and simply point them to Jesus. And I remember when I first started, I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I cannot do this. There, there's no way that I can do this. I'm going to be responsible for pointing young people towards you, God. Oh my gosh, I, there's no way. I do not deserve such an opportunity. Of all the people you could have called to do this, Lord, of all the people in, in the world, there is somebody far better. So please, God, take this away from me. Find somebody else. Of all the people, I am by far the worst choice that you can make. I remember God saying to me, not only through prayer, through, through those moments where God just shows up and through other mentors and other people in my life, he simply said, Aaron, you know what? You're right. You don't have what it takes. You don't have all the answers. You aren't the strongest person on the face of the planet. That's not what I've called you to be. I've just called you to be you. So teach these students about me. Teach them through your flaws. Teach them through your failures. Teach them through your struggles. And as you're an authentic about who you are, be authentic about who I am. And teach them about my mercy. And teach them about my grace. And point them to my love. And tell them, beg with them, plead with them to understand this truth, that their life has not been defined by the mistakes that they've made. Their life is not defined by the hard choices that love, sometimes life gives us. The only thing that defines them is my love for them tell them about that. I learned more about God. I learned more about myself. I learned some really hard lessons about family and marriage over the 10 years that I spent with these than I have most other places. And you know what? I was blessed beyond my imagination. God showed up in ways and I saw some of the most beautiful people that God has ever created in this time. I gave myself. I said, okay, I can give nothing more than just my life to them. And so I gave it freely. And God did some amazing things. I didn't do anything. God did amazing things in that act of giving, in that act of sacrifice. This was the small corner of the world that I touched for 10 years. Where has God called you? Where has God appointed you today? What is the small corner of this world that he has called you to live out the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life? Third challenge is simply this. Allow the immense patience of Jesus to reveal his purpose and fill you with his genuine love. This goes right back to where we started, right? Where there's two different ways we can kind of live this life. One that is full of empty talk, meaningless debate. We can get ourselves lost and consumed in things that have no value, that cause nothing but conflict and debate, that are nothing but a distraction, or we can reflect the genuine love of Jesus as we are being poured out every single day. God is just waiting God is willing and waiting for us to simply say, let it, let it come, God. Give it to me. Whatever you have for me, that he wants to pour out his wondrous mercy. He wants to pour out his abounding grace. He wants to pour out his immense patience. So maybe, just maybe, there might be one person in that small corner of the world that you touch that will come to know him 
as their personal Lord and Savior. They will receive eternal life. They will come to know the love that you have come to know and you celebrate because you were willing to give yourself. You were willing to ask God, give me the strength because why? You are his faithful servant. So, okay, we're going to close today the same way that my campus pastor closed every single chapel. As your campus pastor, I want to close in this beautiful truth. So let's see that scripture one more time. And this is just the best way that I can close any sermon, really. At the end of the day, this is my, my, my prayer for you as a church. This is my prayer for myself, that you would claim this prayer of thanksgiving. You would claim this truth today and that you would live it out somehow in some way. So let's do it. I'll say the first part. You say the second. I'll say the third, and we'll close at home, okay? I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, considered me faithful. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you so much for this amazing, beautiful, and wonderful church. Lord, I pray today that we would all have a space carved inside of ourselves that we may recognize how amazing, how beautiful, how wonderful, Lord, you are in all the things that you have blessed our life with. And Lord, allow that thanksgiving and allow that reception of your blessing, Lord, to drive us to a point where we don't try to do this on our own, that we don't try to do these things on our own strength, but we only call upon your name so that we may receive your strength and that we may accept the fact that you consider every single one of us in this room faithful, that you consider us trustworthy. We are the, the beloved sons and daughters of you, Lord, and that is the only thing that defines us. And so, Lord, in that truth that we affirm and in the fact that you give us the strength, Lord, I pray that you would appoint us to your service, appoint us to your ministry, point us to the, the corners of this world where we may go and we may show genuine love. We may reflect your son to this world that has not heard, that has had not seen him and so maybe, just maybe, there might be one person in that small corner of the world that may come to know you. They may receive your word. I thank you, Christ Jesus, our Lord, that you have given us strength, that you considered us faithful, and that you appointed us to your service. In your name, Lord, we are so grateful and thankful. And in your name, we pray, amen.